Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am sportslogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. We're talking today about a classic brand in minor league baseball. It's been around since 1994, the Portland Sea Dogs. What a thrill to be joined by creative person extraordinaire Guy Gilchrist, who is holding up a souvenir baseball right now that features the original Sea Dogs teal logo and a, and a cartoon book with Slugger the Sea Dog. Amazing. Guy Gilchrist is responsible for the Nancy cartoon, worked with the Muppets, the Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry, Fraggle Rock, the Pink Panther, just such an amazing career of, of creative things. As we're sitting here right now, I'm noticing, I don't want to understate this, a gigantic Kermit the Frog, a life-size Kermit the Frog behind you. Can, can you tell me where this enormous Kermit frog that will devour us all came from? Yeah, you know, even Rolf, Rolf the dog is scared of that Kermit. You know, he's huge. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, a fan reached out uh, a couple of years ago and uh, her boyfriend had uh, gone into FAO Schwartz, the famous toy store, and uh, paid some clerk or the assistant manager who wasn't supposed to sell this huge display Kermit, an enormous amount of money to impress his girlfriend. And anyway, she re about 20 years ago or something. And anyway, she reached out uh, through social and, and said, I would really like for you to have this. And so he's been hanging out in uh, the office ever since. I love him. He, he is, standing he's actually taller than i am and i'm six two well that's incredible and that just you know it speaks to obviously you know you've been involved with with so many creative things the muppets among them which is you know obviously a a fan favorite out there in the world however we're here to talk about minor league baseball and in particular the portland sea dogs i know that you've designed other logos for instance the norwich navigators and the new britain rock cats and the binghamton mets but what how was it with everything else you have going on in in your in your career that you got involved with with designing minor league baseball logos uh it was really because i'm a, a baseball fan and i used to go to muzzy field uh in uh, bristol connecticut the double a red sox and my my kids grew up there they were born at that time uh, I was the same age as all of those double-A players, uh, those guys being like Dave Shoppe, Wade Boggs, Marty Barrett, uh, St Steve Crawford. Uh, I was buddies with all those guys, and we would chuck the ball around together uh, on the field, you know, before and after, and they would party at my house. And I became very good friends with Charlie Eschbach, who was the general manager uh, for Joe Busis, who owned the team. Anyway, cut to years later. Uh, and uh, I had already worked with Jim Henson on the Muppets and uh, was, uh, uh, had embarked on a children's uh, book career, uh, created a group of characters called the Tiny Dinos, went to Japan uh, to promote and license them, and wound up working with Japanese baseball, the Cebu Lions, uh, Yamiuri Giants, uh, to name a couple. I came back from that trip. This was late 80s, very late 80s, maybe even 90 or something. And uh, I had this idea that why couldn't we take characters, create characters, and create licensing for minor league baseball, like I was creating characters for Japanese baseball, and I had created a character that year uh, for the Japan World Cup team through Sony. I came back and I met with Charlie Eschbach and said, why don't we do this for the Red Sox? They were now the uh, I, I think, and he was the commissioner of the Eastern League at that time. Anyway, he said, that's a fantastic idea. I'm going to be the president uh, and general manager and president of a brand new team. 
in Portland, Maine. We're going through expansion and, uh, uh, you know, and uh, Miami, uh, uh, the Marlins and the Rockies were going to come into the league. We didn't know which one Portland was going to get, but they but they thought they were going to get one or the other. And he said, why don't we work on that together? And that's how it all began. What is your connection specifically to the Sea Dogs? I know you're a Red Sox fan, but in terms of, you know, as a fan, as a, as a, as a baseball person, is there a specific connection that you have with, with the Portland Sea Dogs as a team? Yeah, well, Charlie and I were very good friends. Uh, John Kamisha, who wound up up there, we were very good friends. Uh, we all met in minor league baseball. I'm originally from Connecticut, you know, huge Sox fan. And I was really excited that we were, uh, that we were going to get, that uh, uh, there was going to be more baseball in New England. Now it was going to be Marlins, but this was going to be my very first baseball logo. And so I was really excited. And uh, Charlie, God bless him, was really, really open to the idea that we create a completely separate character and that I go for it and, and I imbue this character with all different sorts of personality and all of that, that we were going to have our own thing because really and honestly, okay, who in Portland, Maine was actually going to care about a team in Miami? Not really, but right. we're going to love the idea that they were getting baseball. And so, uh, so I, so my job was what it was with Jim Henson and with all of the other people that I've worked with to create a character that was going to appeal to a certain community. And, uh, and that's where Slugger came in. If, if I may, Guy, I would say that they've barely gotten the people in Miami to care about a team in Miami. So the, <laughs> fa the fact that you got a, a team in That's Portland. A, that really stinks, man. I mean, they, they won a World Series. That, well, then they had a garage sale, but they, they did win a World Series. They, they got my Darren Dalton from the, from the Phillies. They finally got him a World Series before he retired. Well, so they were a Marlins affiliate, and you created this, what has now become sort of this highly sought after retro version of the logo, which is this teal. So that was 1994. And that was around for nine seasons, I think nine or 10 seasons. It's been a very long time now. Um, you know, what was was amazing was, okay, so Slugger didn't have a name. Mm -hmm. Okay, That's not the amazing part. But, so <laughs> but anyway, so I can't remember if it was it was either Sporting News or Baseball America. They were doing, uh, we did a lot of interviews, you know? And the thing was, so the minute that the, the logo was created and we hadn't played a game yet, uh, Hadlock wasn't finished, you know, there were three feet of snow on the ground and everything, but our logo, our hats were outselling everyone's hats. And that includes like, the Red Sox and the Dodgers, you know, it was, I can't say Yankees. I'm just not going to say <laughs> okay. we were outselling like everyone the minute that we put this logo out. And so uh, we were getting national notice. So I wound up doing an interview and the reporter says, oh, and by the way, the Sea Dog, what, what's his name? And I had a Carl Yastrzemski real Carl Yastrzemski, Louisville slugger that had been given to me by Roger LaFrancois, minor league catcher for the, for the Sox, leaning right up against the wall next to my thing. So his name could have been Louisville, <laughs> but it turned out to be slugger. <laughs> well, it's, you know, that, that was pretty fortuitous, right? Because that's a terrific name for him. You, when we spoke in 20, gosh, 14, I think, for the article in sportslogos.net about this, the Sea Dogs, yeah. you told me the so a pretty interesting fact about how you created the inspiration for Slugger the Sea Dog. Well, I knew that I'm, I'm known for doing cute characters, and I knew that he was going to be cute because that's about all I can draw. I mean, you could ask me to draw five headless zombies and it's going to be adorable. Okay, so I mean, 
But like, I, I, could I, I really I, ask you to do that? Because I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I knew it was going to be a cute character. But the thing was that I had never designed uh, the, the primary logo, you know, for a sports team. So I did some research. And uh, I went to Adweek and I knew an Adweek exec and I also knew a, a Sporting News exec. And I checked on what sales were at that time, it was around 1990 something. And uh, so we looked at it and the, so the best selling things at that time that had a character in them was the uh, Chicago Bulls, which the character was looking straight at you and looking mean. Uh, then there was uh, the San Jose Sharks and the shark was like coming through, you know, the, uh, the, the letter and the, 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 the shape, the shape and breaking the, the stick. And then the previous one, uh, the previous best-selling baseball uh, minor league logo had been the Durham Bulls with a bull that was jumping through the dig. So I said, okay, I had, so I had Slugger jump through the pee and then hold the bat in his mouth, not break it, and look directly at us and be fierce but cute. And I picked the colors based on the Marlins, but I also wanted our own colors so uh there was a red in there you know th things like that uh like his tongue was red um uh, i wanted our and we had the gold bat i wanted to have our own identity but still have the teal and uh, you know for from the, the marlins so once i drew that up the very first time i ever drew it i faxed it to charlie and he said that's it we're done. One shot. Amazing. You and never hear that with logos. You never hear it. No. So for our for our younger listeners, listeners, can you explain what a fax machine is? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm just so kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. Before you scan <laughs> stuff on your phone, um, uh, so in between that and uh, Pony Express. <laughs> that sounds. That just sounds like magic to me. I don't know. It doesn't. <laughs> Truly magic when it happens. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, you you created this logo, and you can see I'm wearing it on my hat right now. I have a very faded Portland Sea Dogs hat that I bought in Portland at a game. Well loved hat. Well loved hat. Absolutely bought it in 2015, and it is very well faded, very well loved, fits perfectly to my head. But this logo you know, has had longevity and it was created. I mean, you talked about creating cute characters. This was long before that was sort of the standard for minor league baseball logos, right? Like the minor league baseball logo landscape has changed quite a bit. This was the first. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and I've got to hand it to Charlie Eschbach. I mean, Charlie, Charlie's like the, the, the Ringling Brothers of, uh, or the Charlie Finley or whatever you want to call it of, of minor league baseball, um, Bill Veck, uh, you know, all of the pioneers. He really truly uh, is all of that and a bag of chips. Uh, he knew that my forte was creating characters that were loved by children. And we felt that if we could create a character that had a personality that would be uh, loved by children, you know, be, uh, be a, uh, a, a staunch supporter of things like good health, good sportsmanship, staying in school, re summer reading, all of those cool things, exercising and everything, and, and fun that that he would hang around and from the get-go we had amazing people that were would would don the costume of slugger and go out into the community you know through sometimes you know 10 feet of snow and stuff <laughs> to go to all the schools, the libraries, every single thing that you could go to, to reach out uh, in the community uh, 
you know, we, we did. And, uh, uh, and I would create brand new art constantly for, uh, like we did, a, we did a coloring book. Uh, we did a coloring and game book. Uh, I would do brand new art every season for the, for, but, but the main thing would be, so like the Barbara Bush uh, cancer wing of the hospital, uh, they would have like a run, a 5K run. Uh, I would do artwork for that. We would have every single benefit that we could do. Uh, reading, summer reading program, this, that, the other thing, every single thing that Slugger could be involved in, I would do custom art and that would get donated to the community. And, uh, and I did that with the other, you know, with, with, with the other logos uh, that I did as well, but never was I as connected to a team as the Portland Sea Dogs um, and that was really the because because uh, my my friends there oh and you know we have we've had now generations of people in the front office they continue to reach out and say hey let's do this let's do that let's do this let's do that could you give us this could you give us that it was a conscious effort on our part before we even played a game that slugger was not only going to represent the sea dogs that was going to be you know yeah that's on the that's the logo but we wanted him to represent the children and the best angels in portland maine well and i have a, a t-shirt that has a, a character on it from a 5k that i did through the sea dogs as well so i'll have to find that and send it to you to see if that's uh, your work right there it um, is to to borrow a, a trite phrase the only constant in minor league baseball is change the other logos that you've done the norwich navigators they became the connecticut defenders which then became the richmond flying squirrels the new britain rock cats really? squirrels really they're the richmond flying squirrels since 2010 uh -huh. yeah they've, they've got like a sort of superhero yeah. style flying squirrel okay yeah <laughs> okay yeah, the New Britain Rock Cats, uh, as you know, they became the Hartford Yard Goats and the Binghamton Mets. They lost their their parent club based nickname, but you had created this uh, this adorable bee character for the Binghamton yeah. Mets. Buddy the Bee, yeah. Yeah, they're now the Binghamton Rumble Ponies because of the carousels in Binghamton. But the Portland Sea Dogs, even brands where they don't change their name or they don't change the sort of general sense of the look they still refresh it every once in a while, or they do, you know, they do something to update the look. The Portland Sea Dogs have had such remarkable longevity in minor league baseball in this landscape that's just filled with change. But apart from changing their colors after they switched parent clubs from the Marlins to the Red Sox, that primary logo has not changed one bit. So what do you, what do you attribute the longevity of, of this logo to in a landscape that's just littered with change? Well, I'm very blessed that that's been the case uh but you know um we talked about how i did some research on the what was selling and so i think the design was a strong design um now i think the other ones were too but uh but you know it's it's not enough it's like you know you have to you have to have a strong design but then you you really need a wonderful marketing team and that's what we've always had, uh, uh, you know. And uh, they've 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 uh, they've done secondary stuff, and, and and I'm sure that over the years there have probably been other artists that have drawn Slugger. I, there has to be because there's been so much. Um, uh, but that was that's supposed to be that way, you know. I mean, I work with Disney and everybody else, and uh, anything that I create. Uh, winds up being drawn by a lot of different people. So uh, that's a big thrill for me. But I, I uh, again, I have to hand it to, uh, to, to, to Charlie and John and to the people that have, uh, that have come after uh, uh, Charlie and John and continued uh, to market it. And also the amazing fans uh, of uh, all around the world, you know, of baseball and the Boston Red Sox and New England, uh, they keep buying the thing. <laughs> the last time I talked to John 
which was a couple of years ago when I threw the ball out, uh, first ball out, uh, he was telling me that we hadn't been out of the 25 uh, as far as sales ever. Yep. Yeah, I see that list every year. The top the top 25 in minor league uh, baseball merchandise sales, the Portland Sea Dogs are always on the list. There's a handful of teams that have been on the list since its inception, and the Portland Sea Dogs are, are always there. It, it was... In, in some ways before it's time, uh, because it's sort of predated this, you know, fun, cartoony, kid-friendly trend that we're seeing, you know, across the board in minor league baseball. But it's also, you know, it's just, it's it's unique right now because there's, there's only so many logos created by Guy Gilchrist in the minor leagues. When Charlie had the initial uh, press conference and showed the artwork, there was a bunch of people that hated it. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, baseball fans, uh, like hardcore, you know, hardcore baseball fans that were like, what the heck is this? Mm-hmm. Charlie called me and we were laughing about it because he and I knew something that as long as people were talking about it and it made news, that was going to ring the, the cash register bell. He called me up laughing because like so many people, like there were these hardcore people going, I don't believe you did this. Oh, <laughs> this is disgusting. What are we? Disneyland? And we're going, yes, we are. Well, and that's been the trend in minor league baseball since then. The, the rebrand being hated at first and then ultimately being accepted by baseball fans and non-baseball fans alike. And, you know, I think you see a lot of, of folks who are not specifically interested in baseball embracing not just branding for minor league baseball, but minor league baseball at large. You know, minor league yeah. baseball has become family entertainment. Back in the day, before I created this idea of this character, you know, this was going to be more than a more than a mascot. But the the reason that I wanted to do what I wanted to do and went to the commissioner of the Eastern League, minor league baseball was making zip up. Mm-hmm. Nothing. They basically didn't have an identity except for the identity of the major league. We had to jump an awful lot of hurdles because no one had ever tried to do what we were doing. Mm-hmm. They were completely ready for us to send like a P instead of an M with a Marlin jumping through, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. But to say, no, 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 we're doing our own thing. Um, Major League Baseball was not pleased. Uh, Going to be work. And basically, God bless, again, uh, God bless Charlie and Dan Burke. God bless Dan Burke. He was the best. Um, Dan Dan owned the team and uh, and gave gave us carte blanche. Uh, Basically, it was like, I don't care what Major League Baseball says. We like this logo. Send it to New Era send it to Rawlings, send it here, send it there. We're making our stuff and they'll, and major league baseball properties will catch up. And that's the way we did it. And before we even got approval, we sold a million hats, mm-hmm. you know? And now of course, as you say, it's the thing, everybody, mm-hmm. their own money, their own merch and all of that. And it's wonderful. It's like, I just never understood why baseball was making so much money. And at that time when we created this, there were no, you know, now you go to a minor league uh, game and, and they have a big store. Yes, for sure. It used to be the little like hot dog cart, Yep. you know, that had a banner and a couple of hats, right? That's all they had. I just thought we could do better and we Mm -hmm. could do something different. Yeah. Well, minor league baseball has since figured that out. And I have to say, minor league baseball teams have a lot of my money. And that includes the Portland Sea Dogs. (laughs) Well, Guy Gilchrist, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Where can people find you online? Uh, I'm all over social media. Uh, There's a Guy Gilchrist production on Facebook. And that's also the website. And uh, it's Guy Ephes and Frank Gilcrest on Instagram. And, uh, you know, we post a ton of the stuff there and on Twitter and all of that. And definitely um, 
uh, go over to that Facebook page uh, or Instagram, follow me and find out where I'm going to be. Because these days, uh, when I'm not writing children's books, I'm out on the road doing comic cons and stuff, and you can bring me even baseballs and I draw on them. So amazing well i'm gonna if i'm not already i just started a, an instagram account for this uh podcast called baseball by design i'm gonna go follow you from baseball by design thank you so much i'm thrilled that you brought your extensive talents for creating fun characters like the muppets and the looney tunes and the pink panther and fraggle rock that you brought that to minor league baseball because uh, I think it has played a big part in changing the landscape. So thank you for being here. And I hope that we'll get to talk again about one of your other logos. Thank you so much. What an honor now to be joined by Emma Tiedemann, who is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Sea Dogs and also the director of broadcasting for the Sea Dogs. Emma, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Just to introduce you, Emma, to our listeners, you are the fifth broadcaster in the history of the Portland Sea Dogs, who have been around for 27 years. So certainly elite company there. Also, at the time of your hiring, you were only the fifth female broadcaster in all of affiliated minor league baseball. Before coming to the Sea Dogs, you were the director of broadcasting and media relations for the Lexington Legends. You called back-to-back South Atlantic League championships for that team. And in 2019, you were the South Atlantic League Media Relations Director of the Year. You were with several other teams before that, including one of my favorites, the St. Paul Saints. So you have a a storied but uh, still young career in in minor league baseball broadcasting. So it's a a thrill to be be speaking with you now. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's fun, but I'm glad I've ended up in Portland with, you know, one of the most iconic logos. (laughs) Well, it it really is. And so that's what this, this podcast is about, is it's about what these logos mean to the local community, where the nicknames come from. It is the story behind these these nicknames. So I guess I'll just jump right in and ask you that question. What's a sea dog? Well, a sea dog actually is a harbor seal. Um, it's a nickname for a harbor seal, which is, you know, we just have a cast, we have Casco Bay in the ocean right here in Portland, Maine. So I uh, wanted to kind of keep it local to Portland in the main area. And so uh, it was a, a seal and uh, Slugger came out of that. So do you find that you have to explain that to people a lot? Sometimes, uh, you know, Slugger, the mascot, is, it's pretty self-explanatory that, that he is a seal. Um, I kind of have to explain it maybe to people who are out of state. Um, but yeah, sometimes people think that he's a dog because of sea dog. Um, but it's pretty obvious with his, his coloring and, and his design that uh, he's not a normal dog, at least. And uh, we, you know, steer people the right way, telling them that uh, he's a harbor seal. The harbor seal itself that it's based on, have you gotten to go experience harbor seals? Have you seen harbor seals on the coast? Have you, have you gotten to uh, you know, see the thing that the actual logo is based on? Yes, actually. I, uh, on a Saturday uh, late morning uh, during this last season, treated myself to, to be a tourist of my own city kind of thing and took a boat tour. Um, out on Casco Bay. And so as we were coming back towards the harbor, um, there was a huge rock with a whole bunch of seals on it. So I have seen them and I can confirm that they are, uh, they are around Portland um, and they are just hanging out, out in the the water. (laughs) I love this story so much. I love the idea of you, the, the director of broadcasting for the Portland Sea Dogs on the coast, watching harbor seals out there frolicking in the water. It seems like the, (laughs) the, the perfect scene for me. The logo, as you know, was designed by Guy Gilchrist, whose background is in creating characters. And these harbor seals, they have a lot of character. They have really fun personalities. Actually, I our graphic designer just told me this uh, downstairs. He, uh, Guy Gilchrist, I guess, wrote in um, the comic strip had, before announcing Slugger, had the other possible team names like the Wharf Rats and the Power Hogs in this strip before announcing it was Slugger, but now we use those mascots as part of our Castaways band uh, pregame that plays outside in the plaza. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I'm, I that just is, learned it. <laughs> I just learned it too. And that's why I do yeah. this podcast. I love that. That is fantastic. <laughs> so I have to say, this is an audio medium here, but you're wearing the old Teal Sea Dogs logo, which was introduced in 1994 when the team was a Marlins affiliate. So it makes a lot of sense now that you have the the Red Sox red and blue, but that 
throwback teal sea dogs logo which was the original version is kind of a classic it really is especially you know how you know fashion and everything everything comes back around i think that people are at least my age maybe millennials a little bit older are you know enjoying the teal throwbacks and stuff from the 90s and so uh, we actually see a lot of the old school logos being purchased uh, day in and day out just because people like the the little bit of the throwback yeah well so mine you can hardly tell what color my cap is here i'm wearing my sea dogs cap that i got in 2015 when i was in portland for a game and it is severely faded right now because I wear it all the time. I'm a Phillies fan, but this double A Red Sox affiliate cap is, is one of my favorites. I'm also wearing, uh, and this is by happenstance, actually, because I'm going to go for a run after we talk here. But I'm wearing my um, my Make-A-Wish yep. <laughs> Home Run for Wishes, uh, which was a virtual 5K that you all did. And I did basically for for this T-shirt. <laughs> um, so it is it's it's a classic logo and it fits into the sort of history of minor league baseball logos with teams like say the Lansing Lugnuts, the Montgomery Biscuits, the Carolina Mudcats, these teams that were sort of finding their voice when they realized, hey, we don't have to be named for our parent club. We can build an identity that is uniquely ours and that it's unique to to our community, which is something that I think, you know, has since that time really grown, but in your experience, the this phenomenon of minor league baseball logos being appropriate to the local community, how how important has that been for the Sea Dogs to embrace uh, outside of their affiliation with the Red Sox? I mean, I think it's incredibly important because it's it's your local community that is supporting you day in and day out. Um, you know, I think it's cool that for the Sea Dogs in particular, the colors are the same as the parent club. Uh, whether it was the Marlins or the Red Sox, but I think that there's a lot more local buy-in if they can relate to the fact that they maybe were at the Old Port or on Casco Bay and they saw a seal and they come to the ballpark and lo and behold, it's Slugger. You know, I think that it, it is really cool and it, the last few years especially, it's added an extra layer with more identities and different logos. You know, the Sea Dogs have rebranded to be the Whoopie Pies and the Red Snappers. And I think that it's that hyper kind of localization, like the Red Snappers, I mean, I've, I've talked to people from New Hampshire and they didn't know what a red snapper was. It was really only Mainers who knew that. Um, so I think it, it really helps with the buy-in from the local community and, um, you know, kind of honoring the people who, who come to your games day in and day out. So you've done broadcasting all over the country. You're from the Dallas area originally. Uh, I saw in your bio that you, you did broadcasting in Alaska, uh, in Oregon. Obviously, we talked about St. Paul. Did you know what a red snapper was before you got to Portland? No, I had no idea. Um, I didn't even know what it was until we talked about having it uh, as a rebrand night because I had seen them in the grocery store. But I was like, what is this hot pink hot dog, uh, you know, sold by KM and stuff. Um, so I'm learning just as much as anyone else is <laughs> about certain things. <laughs> so the red snapper for the uninitiated and you sort of described it there. It's this uniquely New England style of hot dog essentially and you know these rebrands these temporary rebrands in the in the name of foods which mm -hmm. most people attribute to the uh, fresno tacos as the first ones to do that i think the uh, lehigh valley cheesesteaks had a, a role in that as well when the iron pig, yep. uh, when the iron pigs did that but the red snapper is this weird hot dog that's like this very distinctive color and i think it sort of turns your teeth that color when when you eat it and it's got a kind of thicker skin than most hot dogs do, I think. So am I, am yep. I doing it justice? I'm not from New England, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it snaps. Like the casing is different. Um, that's what everyone told me. So uh, the casing is a little bit different. So when you bite into it, it snaps more than your traditional hot dog, which I've had a couple now that I've lived up here. Mm -hmm. um, and I can attest to it. It, it snaps. Um, and then, but it tastes the, for me, it tastes the same as a hot dog. It's just the texture is a little bit different. And color. <laughs> you also mentioned the Whoopies, which was another uh, food-based rebrand that the the Sea Dogs did. I have to ask the question because I know that the Reading Fight and Phils did a a Whoopie Pie-based rebrand as well, with both places claiming the Whoopie Pie as their own. What is what is Portland's claim to the to the Whoopie Pie? All I've heard is that we had it first. Um, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with that story uh, that they, they were invented in Maine. Um, there are plenty of places to buy whoopie pies. You can buy them at just any gas station, it seems like. Um, so 
easily accessible, nice sugary treat. Um, and so, so I'm going to say that Maine had a first, um, you know, contrary to maybe Redding's belief uh, that, that they had the, the uh, original idea for the whoopie pies. All right. Well, that's it. We'll have to get the, the fight and fills on at some point and just do a point counterpoint yep. here. See who really, who really had the whoopie pie first. Getting back to the, to the sea dogs here, this, this logo, you know, one of the things that has been distinctive about this, this trend in minor league baseball towards the the wackier logos um they are hyper local as as we've talked about and i think that's a really good trend a lot of them you see are created by you know one firm maybe several firms out there brandios does a ton of work uh mm-hmm. studio simon does a ton of work you're starting to see some other firms get in there but there's a pretty distinctive visual palette that you see there are distinctive trends with an with Typically with a logo this old, you might start talking about, oh gosh, do we need to at least refresh it? Do we need to do something different with it? I think that you'd have a, a revolution on your hands if you tried to, to refresh this, this version of Slugger into something different. But is there ever a conversation about maybe not updating this logo, but adding additional marks or working with some of these, these newer firms out there who have been working with minor league baseball teams? No, honestly, I mean, I think that this logo gives us a lot of freedom um, to use it on a wide variety. You know, you have the classic hat with the P and Slugger coming through the P. I have the one with the state of Maine behind Slugger's head. Um, and so I think that the, the freedom that this particular logo allows us to have, whether we want to say P, because that's my go-to hat too, or you have the state of Maine, you know, I think that freedom allows us to do a lot of different things. So as of right now, uh, we're we're not working with anyone else. Uh, you know, our actually our alternate identities are also created in house here by our graphic designer who is tremendous. So you know, unless he has something up his sleeve, uh, you know, Slugger and, and the classic logo is is here to stay for for a very long time. What is your uh, your in house designer's name? I always like to give credit where credits due. Absolutely, Ted Seavey. Yeah. Uh, Ted Seavey. Okay, great. You are the voice of of this team. And I know that you've only been with the team since 2020 and you missed an entire year of broadcasting because of COVID, of course. So you've only had one year of of broadcasting for the team under your belt. But I have to say, I actually have a very personal connection to you being the voice of this team because when the 2021 season started and we had gone a full year without affiliated minor league baseball, I was here at my home in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I remember that first day, that first slate of games, and I was working outside my backyard and I just decided I was going to pick a game at random and, and put it on. So I was looking at the slate. I have a generally positive association with the sea dogs. I've only been to one game, but when I saw, uh, you know, the sea dogs were playing, I said, Hey, let me, let me just throw this game on. And you were the voice of the return of minor league baseball in my backyard. And uh, <laughs> you know, it was Obviously, you know, you've received accolades out there for your broadcasting, and it was a pleasure to listen to that game. And, and uh, I have very much positive association with your work because it was the, the, the reintroduction of minor league baseball after that long, dark 2020. Can you tell me about, you know, in terms of just broadcasting double A baseball for a year after the pandemic ended? What, uh, you know, how, how'd that go for you? What was that like? It was great. It, it was worth the wait. Um, you know, 2020 was definitely a difficult year for everybody. Um, it was tough moving up to a part of the country I'd never been to, um, just to have the world shut down, including our season. Um, but yeah, 2021, I mean, I remember opening day, I'll probably never forget it because it was my double A debut, but we were also the first game back, um, by like five minutes, I think Bowie, um, came after us. So we were actually the first game to kick off the 2021 season. And, um, so it was, it was cool to, to have that moment. And, you know, we had a great group of guys who, you know, got the vaccine and, and, um, did all the correct protocols. So I was able to travel. I only missed, uh, I think three trips when it was all said and done at the early part of the season. But, um, after I want to say about June, uh, it was pretty much business as normal. Um, I didn't quite go in the clubhouses this season. Um, there were definitely still some restrictions, but for the most part, it was some great baseball and, uh, you know, Red Sox nation. It was very welcoming to me. I was a little bit, uh, you know, nervous coming into such a passionate fan base, but it was just an incredible season um, and the Sea Dogs fans were awesome too. And uh, finally got to see Slugger in action. Uh, definitely the best mascot in, in sports, really. Uh, he, he also lived up to the hype. So uh, it, was, it was great and already counting down the days for 2022. 
Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So I don't want this question to sound trite, but I, I do feel like it's an important subject right now. You say that the community was very welcoming in Portland, and that's great news. Do you think it's becoming less of a deal when a team announces a broadcaster and it's a woman? I hope so. Um, you know, I've, I've done a countless interviews and stuff about it and, and it's, you know, cool to be part of this, you know, change in the broadcasting landscape. Um, but I, I very much looking forward to the day that I walk into the press box and it's not a big deal anymore. Um, but I, I think that people are becoming more open-minded. Uh, I think you're seeing it all across the country at all different levels too. You know, single A, we have a couple of broadcasters with another female um, broadcaster in our league here in the Northeast league. And then you have, you know, at the big league level with Melanie Newman with Orioles. So I think that the fact that people are be are becoming more um, aware of it, just to the fact of okay, it's happening, and then you that fact kind of fades to the background, and you just watch whatever sport you're watching. You, know, you in basketball we have Kate Scott, and it's not a big deal anymore that she's a play-by-play voice. So hopefully we'll get to that point with baseball, um, but it's definitely getting there where more people are just like, great, were they the person? as person for the job because if they are that's all we really care about um so it's definitely changing and definitely getting better great um i also need to tell you that the sea dogs have a special place in my heart because they were part of i do and and listeners to, to this podcast will know when i talk about baseball palooza it's the annual minor league baseball road trip that i take with my college buddies uh which is you know these are friends who i've had for 20 25 years we do four games in four days usually in late august and the very first one that we did was our new england trip we did four games in four states in four days and wow. the sea dogs were the third of four games in that trip uh we did the uh, new hampshire fisher cats the vermont lake monsters then the sea dogs and then the lowell spinners and the sea dogs were were notable for me because maine was my 50th state and so oh nice uh, i got to celebrate 50 states at a portland sea dogs game with a lobster roll which is the law perfect i, I yep. had <laughs> i had three meals of, of lobster rolls in 24 hours so breakfast lunch and dinner wow. in 24 hours was all lobster rolls um, and it was well <laughs> worth it totally worth it uh, yeah <laughs> So, so the Sea Dogs, that was a really a fantastic experience for me. Beautiful ballpark right there in, in downtown. It's a fantastic baseball experience. But I will ask you for the stadium experience when people come there to a Portland Sea Dogs game, which I highly recommend. Everyone should get that on their, on their list. What, what are the things you need to experience at the ballpark? What are the foods that you need to experience? What are the sort of outside accoutrements that people should look for? Oh, I mean, definitely a lobster roll. Um, we've, I think that having that experience on a cool summer main night, I mean, I, I grew up in Texas where I'm used to triple digit heat for 60 days in a row, but um, here it's lovely at 75 or 80 degrees. So to kind of sit back in that perfect weather, uh, you know, we have a ton of craft beer. That's a, a huge um, part of the, uh, really part of the scene now in Portland. Uh, it's a lot of local breweries. So if, if that's kind of up your alley, you have a ton of options in that re regard, but um, I think that the one thing you can't miss is Slugger. Uh, typically at the bottom of the third inning, I want to say, uh, Slugger puts on a unique skit every um, for every single game. Um, and that's definitely something that, you know, you don't want to miss. And so it's perfect. You sit back, you have your lobster roll, your drink of choice, watch Slugger do his thing. And uh, that's a perfect night in Portland for me. <laughs> that sounds amazing, actually. That sounds almost perfect except for i'm gonna to have to add one item to that agenda which is i have a uh, a collection of the little helmets that they serve ice cream in yep. and the sea dogs represent well when it comes to that because they've have i have at least five different versions of the sea dogs ice cream helmet uh and there are minor league teams out there that don't do any of them at all they just serve them you know either not in a helmet or they serve in the major league helmet or something like that. So, so mm -hmm. kudos to the sea dogs for representing the ice cream helmet. Well, and I have to say when I had my lobster roll at a sea dogs game, I also had my helmet Sunday. So that's an important oh, part of that, that summer, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> summer ballpark experience. Um, thanks for all that you do for minor league baseball. And thanks to the Portland sea dogs for being an iconic brand and, and representing our sport that we all love so much so well. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Absolutely. Anytime. You can follow Emma Tiedemann on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Teeds, T-I-E-D-S. 
And you can follow the Portland Sea Dogs on Instagram at Portland underscore Sea Dogs and on Twitter at Portland Sea Dogs with no underscore. Hold on, everybody. It's another surprise post credit sequence. I'm happy to be joined right now by Anne Marie Lisi, who is the Associate Director of Education at the Maritime Aquarium in Norwalk, Connecticut. Anne Marie, the Maritime Aquarium is just down the coast from Portland, Maine, where the Portland Sea Dogs logo is inspired by harbor seals and so i've asked you to come on here just to to ask you a little bit about harbor seals in in the new england area absolutely it's a pleasure to be here um we have harbor seals at the maritime aquarium Um, it's one of our uh, interpretation stations and it's kind of one of our most exciting animals that our guests get to visit so happy to be here to talk about them they're so much fun aren't they just i love them so much Could you tell me what the qualities of a harbor seal are that would make it a good representative of a sports team? Uh, Well, harbor seals, I mean, they're very agile in the water. Um, They swim very quickly. They have a variety of very interesting behaviors that just make them really unique and playful animals. I mean, our guests at the aquarium love uh, when they swim backwards or swim on their backs or um, do, you know, flips and quick turns in the water. So they're very, they're very agile, but they're also very fun. And, you know, when you think of baseball as being, you know, America's pastime and being a fun sport and how agile the, the players need to be as they move around the field, I could definitely picture like a seal holding a baseball bat. Well, yeah. And so Slugger, the, the, the seal is holding a baseball bat in his mouth here, but we can talk about that in a second. One of the, you know, one of the reasons I think this logo is popular and this team is popular is that the harbor seals just in general are sort of, you know, they're endearing animals. They're fun animals. Like you say, what is it in your mind? Why, why do people like harbor seals so much? That's a great question. Well, they get their, their nickname, um, water dogs. If you look at their, their scientific name, it kind of breaks down to water cats. Um, or you can call it a water dog. And that's because a lot of people, um, when you look at harbor seals, you know, out in our oceans, um, if they're not hauled out on a rock or land, you're only seeing their head above the water. And from a profile view, it very much looks like the head of a Labrador retriever. So it looks like a lot of dogs swimming in the water. Um, And then also it makes them enduring is they're very large eyes. Um, They're very sweet eyes. Um, And so they just have this almost like, I don't want to say cartoonish face, but they have these like exaggerated features of their, their eyes and their, their whiskers that we call vibrisse. If we're going to get, you know, fancy about it. Let's get Um, fancy. That just make them very, very likable. Um, And they look very soft and cuddly with their fur. So they're like big, they're like really big stuffed animals that are in the water. So uh, we had a, uh, a short conversation before the interview and I showed you the logo. I think we have controversy in the world of minor league baseball branding. Can you share with our listeners what you just shared with me? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a quite a cute logo. So I can see how everybody really um, enjoys it. And definitely, if I'm looking at our flippers, it is definitely a a harbor seal because harbor seals compared to sea lions have um, smaller front flippers and smaller back flippers. But the one characteristic that kind of sticks out to me are those external ear flaps, which I know are on dogs. You know, we all know dogs have those ears that like to be scratched behind them. But on true seals, they actually don't have external ear flaps. So if you were to actually look at the the head of a harbor seal, it would look just like that, but it would be missing those ear flaps. I think we're going to have to go suspension of disbelief here with this. That's, uh, I, think, I think you're right. I think the ears are there for the cuteness factor. Um, Emery, what can, what can folks do uh, to help? I know that harbor seals are not uh, endangered. They're not on the endangered list, but what can people do to help conserve their, their habitat? You're right. Um, harbor seals as the species are not currently listed on the endangered species list. And that's due to really great conservation laws like the Marine Mammal Protection Act and the endangered species law that work to um, protect these, these animals. 
However, there are certain threats that still exist for these animals. Harbor seals are a coastal species, and they do migrate up and down both the east and the west coast of the United States. Uh, between their breeding and their hunting grounds. And along the way, they can face challenges like entanglement in fishing gear, uh, entanglement in marine debris and marine plastics, uh, bioaccumulation of marine plastics. These are carnivores, means they're eating small fish along the coast. And if those fish um, ingest microplastics or you know microscopic plastics, it just kind of bioaccumulates inside of our seals. And then there's also, you know, runoff, things like oil spills and nitrogen and, and water pollution that greatly impact their habitats and their food sources. So it's important that we all work together to make small collective impact. When we're at the beach, making sure that we're um, using sustainable items, that we're um, recycling our items, uh, limiting our use of single-use plastics. Um, we're also making smart choices in our neighborhoods and our communities about runoff and what we're putting down on our lawns, uh, where we're washing our cars, where we're getting our oil changed. And if we are people who do like the fish, just making sure that we're disposing of our fishing gear in appropriate receptacles. Perfect. Fantastic. Yeah, there's just little things that we can all be doing to help conserve these amazing animals in this amazing habitat. And Anne-Marie, where can people find the Maritime Aquarium on social media and online? Sure. Um, our website is www.maritimeaquarium.org. And then from there, you can link off to our Facebook page and our Twitter and all of our other social media accounts. If you are in the area and you do maybe want to see a seal out in the its natural habitat, we are starting our winter seal spotting cruises aboard our research vessel where we go out and we identify different species of seals that we're seeing, um, the quantities, the behaviors that we're doing, and it all gets put back into a biodiversity database that we manage. So it's all being part of community science. Awesome. It's such important and amazing work that you're doing. I so appreciate you joining Baseball by Design today and talking about harbor seals, in particular, this one harbor seal with some ear flaps. So thank you, Anne-Marie, and uh, we'll see you at the aquarium. I, by the way, I should say I've been to the aquarium and it's a, it's a fantastic facility. I really enjoy it there. And uh, I would highly recommend that if you're in the area that you you get to the Maritime Aquarium. Suppose you're seeing a Hartford Yard Goats game or a, a Norwich Sea Unicorns game. Go hit the Maritime Aquarium while you're there. Yes, absolutely. We'd love to have you. Thanks, Emery. <laughs>